scripture says, Herein is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the payment for our sins. I'm so grateful for God's love. Turn your Bibles again to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, please. Thank you for coming this morning. Such a wet, nasty day out there. You chose to come anyway. Thank you so much. If you're visiting with us or watching by live stream, we've been focused on one of the most wonderful words in all the Bible the last several weeks. It's called grace. Grace is such an important word in the life of a believer. First of all, it's God's grace that brought salvation. We're saved by grace. His unmerited, his undeserved favor. Then once you're saved, we have great, God's grace continues, and that grace means God's strength, God's power, his enablement to do what we ought to do. Have you ever heard the term? It's easy preaching and hard living. Today I talk about one of those subjects that's very easy to talk about, but hard to do. And many Christians really struggle in doing so. It's called forgiveness. Today I like to talk about grace to forgive. It says there in Ephesians 4.32, verse we read, read together, it says, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. So I'd like to talk about forgiveness, but before we talk about forgiving each other, let's talk about God's forgiveness for us. God's forgiveness toward us. Hold your finger right here in Ephesians. Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 6, please. Matthew chapter 6. Here's probably one of the most common or popular passages in the Bible. It's called the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, please. In verse 9, uh, passage scripture that many people will know by heart. Matthew chapter 6 talks about in the midst of this prayer, Lord's Prayer, it talks about forgiveness. Chapter 6, you would please, page 1348. Page 1348, if you're using a church Bible. Forgive me for not calling out the page numbers. I remember when I first started attending church, I didn't know where, uh, only two books, Genesis, Revelations, all I knew. <laughs> and they said, turn to this book, and I had no idea where it was. So I said, if I become a pastor, I want to call page numbers for those that, like me, did not know that. So page 1348, we have Matthew chapter 6. Referred to as the Lord's Prayer. Look at it, if you would, please, in verse 9. You'll recognize this first, chances are. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, verse 12, look what it says here. And forgive us our what? Debts as we forgive our debtors. The word debt refers to sin. So God's forgiveness toward us. First of all, God forgives us as we forgive others. God forgives us our sins, our debts, as we forgive others. Then he goes on to say forgiveness of others is required to be forgiven. Forgiving others is required to be forgiven. Look in verse 14, please. He said, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But verse 15, but if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Now listen carefully, please. He's not talking about salvation here. Notice this is the prayer of the believer referring to begin our father. There is a false teaching today, very common, that says that God is the father of all and we're all his children. That is not true. 
God is the creator of all, but he's only the father of those who've been born again by the Spirit of God, only those who believe. So you have to be born into God's family for God to be your father. Now, he is your creator. But when we trust Christ as Savior, the Bible says we are born again by the Spirit of God and we're placed in the family of God. And at that moment, he becomes our father. We become his child. And this is a prayer of a child of God. And in talking to the child of God, he said, the child of God says, forgive us, forgive me and my debts as I forgive my debtors. But notice here, if we don't forgive men who trespass against us, God will not forgive you. Now, there again, not, not talking about salvation, talking about fellowship. In other words, my walk, my fellowship with God comes to a standstill when I refuse to forgive someone who's done me wrong. Someone said this, vertical forgiveness is dependent upon horizontal forgiveness. Vertical between man and God is dependent upon forgiveness of each other. So if you have been hurt or harmed, or maybe hurting tremendously because someone hurt you, and you refuse to forgive them, my friend, God will stop and not forgive you. I don't know about you, that's a strong motivation to forgive, is it not? I want God's forgiveness. I want his cleansing, his power in my life. But if I refuse to forgive someone who's wronged me, God said he will not forgive me. So we're talking about God's forgiveness toward us. So number two... Now let's talk about our forgiveness toward others. Go back to Ephesians, please. Back to Ephesians. <clears throat> this is the verse we focused on last week. I'd like to do a little quick review, but with more information. Here it says in Ephesians chapter 4, here Paul is commanding us by the Spirit of God, be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Now, notice the rest of this verse gives us three things about forgiveness. It gives us the model, the measure, and the motive for forgiveness. First of all, the model. Who's our model that we should pattern our lives after to forgive and forgiving others? God is. Forgiving one another even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. So God is our model. And I hope you write these down. Three words that describe God's forgiveness. And I don't know about you, when I think of these, I get all excited. The first word describes God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness is free. God's forgiveness is free. He does not require anything of you as far as any work or merit or change or stop doing something or start doing something for him to forgive you. It's free at the expense of Christ. Said so The Bible says there is neither salvation in any other for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And in salvation in Christ is forgiveness. God forgives you because what Jesus did for you, not what you do for him. So his forgiveness costs you nothing. It cost him everything, his death on the cross. So his forgiveness is free. Number two, God's forgiveness is full. Is full. What do you mean by that, Pastor. On the screen, there's Psalms 103, verse 2. David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth how many of thy iniquities? Does it say some? Does it say most? It says what? All. My friend, when you trust Christ the Savior, God forgives all. His forgiveness is free and is full. Colossians 2, 13. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, 
hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven all trespasses. How many grateful for that? All I've done, God has forgiven me for. His forgiveness is free, it's full. And I love this last one. God's forgiveness is final. Is final. In Jeremiah 31, 34. He says, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin. How much? No more. Hebrews 8, 12. For I will be merciful to the unrighteousness, their unrighteousness, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Someone once said, when God forgives, he forgets. No, he does not. Forgetfulness is a human weakness. In Hebrews said, God is not unrighteous to forget. God says, I will remember them no more. That means two things. He will not hold it against you, and he will not bring it back up again. How many can say, praise the Lord? So often people say, I will forget, but I won't forget. And they bring it back up again at you. My friend, that is not biblical forgiveness. When God forgives, the slate's wiped clean. It is free. It is full. And it's final. That's God's forgiveness. And by the way, that's the way you to forgive others. Because the next point is, we saw the uh, model forgiveness God. The next one is the measure. The measure of forgiving others. Again, in Ephesians 4.32, forgiving one another even as God. The word even as means just as in proportion to, to the degree that. In other words, we are to forgive others just as, to the degree that, to the measure which God's forgiven me. And how many sins has God forgiven us of? All sins. Colossians 2.13, forbearing one another, Forgiving one another, even said, if any man have quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. We are to forgive others to the same degree God's forgiven us. Now we have a story in the Bible. I want you to turn to the book of Matthew. Hold your finger in your feet. Coming back to that, we have an illustration of Peter and Christ about forgiveness. Turn to Matthew 18, page 1371, please. Matthew chapter 18. One of my favorite disciples in the Bible was Peter. Peter asked all kinds of questions we've always wanted to ask, and we're afraid to. In Matthew chapter 18, look with me in verse 21, please. Matthew 18, 21. Here Peter is asking the Lord Jesus about forgiveness. Matthew 18, 21. Then came Peter to him, came to Christ, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Now, seven times was being very generous. The priests, the rabbis, taught three times. So Peter doubled it and added one. He said, surely God will say seven's enough. Now listen to me, please. Peter was not looking for reconciliation. He was looking for retaliation. He said, how many times will I give? Then, then I can get back. Seven times. So if the Lord said seven times, you can do it seven times, but the eighth time you can let him have it. No. In fact, what does Jesus say? Jesus puts no limit on forgiveness. Verse 22. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. 490 times, which means Jesus now get, uh, talks about there is no limit forgiveness. There's never a time 
no matter how many times you should not forgive someone. You think about how Christ has forgiven you. He's forgiven you every single time, and we should do that to others. Now, Jesus gives a parable, a story, to illustrate this truth. Look in verse 23, please. He said, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account his servants. Verse 24. And when he had began to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. Now, a talent was a measure of gold, about 50 to 80 pounds. This man owed 10,000 talents, which is believed to be several million dollars. So this man was in, had a great debt. He owed the master a tremendous amount of money. And then verse 25, but for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and payment be made. In other words, the master was very wise. He said, I will not get out of this what he owes me, but at least I can get something out of it. I'm going to sell him, his family, all he has, and that money will come to me and pay on the debt this man owes me. But notice how the servant responded. Look in verse 26. Then the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will what? Pay thee. Now, there's several things that I want you to notice in the Lord's response, the master's response to the servant. The servant realized the debt he owed, and he cried out for patience and mercy. And notice, for, notice how the master treated the servant. Look in verse 27. He said, Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the what? The debt. The debt. This master did three things. He was moved with compassion out of love, and he set him free, loosed him of anything he owed him, and forgave the debt. You go, wow, that's quite a big forgiveness. Forgive a great debt. Set him free. You owe me nothing. You, well, you can go. Now, notice how the servant responded and treated another man who owed him. Look in verse 28, please. In verse 28. But the same servant went out, found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. Now, a hundred pence, a pence was a day wages. This was about three months wages. Now, it can be a considerable amount of money, but compared to several millions, it is a drop in a bucket. So some man owed him some money, and notice how he treated that man. Found one of his servants who owed him a hundred pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee. Verse 30, And he would not, but went and cast him in prison till he should pay the debt. Wow. Here's a man forgiven such a humongous debt of several million dollars, would not forgive someone who owed him a very small fraction of that. Now, look what happened after that. Look with me in verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto, their ma unto the Lord all that was done. Now I want you to notice how the master treated his servant, the unforgiving servant. Notice, first of all, he called the unforgiving servant wicked. Look in verse 32. Then his Lord, after that he had called him and said unto him, Thou wicked servant, 
I forgave thee all the debt because thou desirest me. Then he said the servant should forgive others the way he was forgiven. Verse 33. Shouldest not thou also had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had unto thee? He called the unforgiving servant wicked. He said, you should forgive others the way I've forgiven you. Next, the servant refusal to forgive made the master very angry. Look in verse 34. And his Lord was what? Now, wrath means he was extremely upset because he forgave the man such a big debt and he would not forgive another of such a smaller debt. Then, verse 34, the master delivered him to the tormentors. Verse 34. His Lord was wroth and delivered him to be uh, to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now, what are the tormentors? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you in a few moments. But we're going to talk about it, what tormentors are. But notice now, Jesus now applied this parable to Peter. Look in verse 35. Not only Peter, but also the other disciples. He says, he concluded the parable, Peter... So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every man, everyone, excuse me, his brother that trespasses. So he's talking to Peter, but also he says, if you forgive not from your hearts, plural. So he's talking about everybody else around him. And talking about other believers. And so what the parable now applies to Peter. So let me give you four things to learn from this. Hope you write them down. Four things to learn from this parable. Number one, we can learn it is sin when we do not forgive others. It is sin when we do not forgive others. He called that servant what? Wicked. You wicked servant. Number two, we should forgive others as we have been forgiven. We should forgive others as we have been forgiven. That's what Paul said in Ephesians. That's what Christ said to Peter through this parable. Number three, it makes God angry when we do not forgive. It makes God angry when we do not forgive. And number four, God will deliver us unto the tormentors when we do not forgive. Now, what's a tormentor? Hang on, I'll tell you in a few moments. But I want you to understand this. This is it's sad to say, many Christians, the ones who've been forgiven of everything, are the ones that have the hardest time to forgive others. Now, forgiveness is an easy preaching, hard living. Some of you have been hurt tremendously, either by a parent, by a family member, by a friend. They've done something to you, and maybe they keep on doing it, and they constantly get produce more hurt in your life. And here God's telling us how to respond, to be kind and forgiving one another. Now, we saw the model. Who is the model of forgiveness? God who forgave three ways. What were they? Free, full, and final. We saw the measure. What's the measure? We're to forgive others in the same degree portion which God forgave us. And next, now the motive. The motive for forgiveness. Back in Ephesians chapter 4, 32. Forgiving one another, even as God, for whose sake? For Christ's sake hath forgiven you. The word Christ's sake literally means on the account of what Christ did for us. God forgave us for Christ's sake. We are to forgive others for Christ's sake. God didn't forgive you because you deserved it. He didn't forgive you because you earned it. 
He didn't forgive you for something you did or promised not to do. He forgave you for what Christ did for you on the cross. He forgave you for Christ's sake. That was the motive. Now, number three. Are you with me so far? We saw God's forgiveness toward us. We saw our forgiveness toward others. Now, number three, grace, God's grace to forgive. God's grace to forgive. I want you to notice the believer is commanded to forgive. The believer, the child of God, is commanded to forgive. You do not need to turn there, but it'd be on the screen. Luke 6, 36, Jesus said, Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. He goes on to say, verse 37, Forgive, and it shall be forgiven. Here we're commanded by God to be merciful as he's merciful to us, and forgive others, as Peter said, as God forgave us. So listen carefully, please. Behind every command of God is the grace of God. Many times we are told, commended or commanded, to do things that are very hard, very difficult. And God doesn't let you do it on your own. He said, I'll give you the grace to do what I called you to do. God's power, God's strength, behind every command of God is the grace of God. So God commands me to forgive others, and then he gives me the strength and power to do so. It's called grace. God will give us grace to forgive. God's grace is available and accessible. So if you're here today and you were hurt tremendously by someone, and the thought or the idea to forgive them doesn't sit well with you, but hopefully as a Christian you see clearly from the Bible, you are commanded to forgive. It's not an option. It's not a, pre it's a consideration. It's a command. So God commands his children to forgive others the same way God's forgiven us. You say, Pastor, that is indeed easy preaching and hard living. You don't know what somebody's done to me. You don't know how bad I'm hurting. And so they would struggle with that to forgive. Yet God tells us to do that. So what God does, God with that command to forgive, he said, I will give you the strength to do it. I'll give you the grace to do that. God's grace is accessible and available to you. But listen carefully, please. Problems can and will occur when we fail to obtain the grace. If you try to forgive in your own strength, you'll fail. If you try to not forgive at all, notice here, a verse we looked at last week, I will not have you turn to it, but on the screen. Hebrews 12, 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail, what? Of the grace of God. So we're saying here, when you're told to forgive, you need to look to God diligently for that power to do so. It's called grace. But if you fail to access God's grace, what are the results? Read on. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Failure to forgive results in bitterness. Bitterness will hurt you and defile others. Bitterness means anger, resentment, and uh, hard feelings toward others. And when someone hurts you and you don't extend forgiveness to them, my friend, what will happen? You will become very, very bitter. You become very, very resentful, angry, and even think of hostile thoughts. So the believer is commanded to forgive. God will give grace to forgive. And I love this last one. Scripture tells us how to find and obtain God's grace. Scripture tells us how to find and obtain God's grace. You'll recognize this first one. We looked at it two weeks ago. Grace 
to do what God's called us to do, commanded us to do, is found at God's throne. Grace is found at God's throne. Hebrews 4.16, it's on the screen. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Why? That we may obtain mercy and find what? I love this. Find grace to help in the time of need. To pastor, I need help. It's grace. Go to God's throne. How do we do that? In prayer. When we bow in prayer, it's our way of being ushered in the very presence of God. And Lord said, you commanded me to forgive. I don't feel like it. I don't want to. He doesn't deserve it. But you told me to do it. And out of obedience, I would choose to obey. And God will give you grace to help in that time of need. But notice grace is found in God's throne, but also grace is obtained by faith. Grace is obtained by faith. Romans 5, 2. By whom? To my Christ. By Christ also we have access by what? Faith into this grace. Wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So the grace that is offered to me, I can find in this throne, will become mine by faith. In other words, I see what God commands me to do. He commands me to forgive someone who's hurt me. And I choose by faith to obey. And I choose to forgive. God's grace will be bestowed upon you and give you the power to do what he's called you to do. It comes by faith. You must choose to do that. And the next point is the believer's responsibility is to obey. When God commands, we are to obey. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. That's God's command. And notice carefully, forgiveness is a choice, not an emotion. Forgiveness is a choice, not an emotion. We spoke about that last week. So many of us allow our emotions to control us. And therefore, we will not forgive. And he said, Pastor, I don't feel like it. I don't think anybody feels like forgiving someone who's hurt them. Yet the Bible says to do that. It's not an emotion. It's a choice. You must choose to forgive. Remember, God's forgiveness toward us is dependent upon us forgiving others. I don't know about you. That's just quite a motivation. I want God to forgive me, so I would choose to forgive others. God's grace is needed to forgive others as God has forgiven us. God's grace, his enablement, his power, his strength, is needed to forgive others as God has forgiven us. Now, look up here, please. Let's see how well you are listening. Now, who is our model of forgiveness? God. And how did he forgive us? Three words. Freely, fully, and finally. That's the way we should forgive others. However, we must not forget. It is a sin when we do not forgive. It makes God angry when we do not forgive. And God will deliver us under the tormentors. Now, here's the question. What are the tormentors? God said, Peter, my heavenly father do the same thing to you if you don't forgive others. And that means to deliver you the tormentor. What are the tormentors? You're not talking about going to hell, being tormented in the flames. The tormentors, I believe, are the consequences of not forgiving. Bitterness. Angry. Hostility. Wrath. Remember it said, put away all bitterness and wrath and anger and malice and evil speaking 
and, and says, uh, so on. Listen carefully, please. Bitterness. I looked that up, and there was a website, a medical website. It said this. Bitterness can lead to anxiety, stress, hostility, depression, high blood pressure, lower your immune system, ulcers, and eventually can bring heart attack. My friend, that's the tormentors. When you choose not to forgive, a root of bitterness will spring up and what? Trouble you. That's the tormentors. So God will allow you to suffer the consequences of not forgiving, and we talked about them here. That's the tormentors. But how about you? I don't want them in my life. I have enough in my life already. I don't want that. So I need to choose to forgive. Now listen carefully, please. What was the motive for forgiving? Now, let me give you three motives. If you can't forgive others for the one who offended you's sake, do it for your own sake. If you can't do it for your sake, do it for Jesus' sake. And, and because of what he's done for you. Now, thank you for coming. I hope, I want you to do it, but grow in grace. God's grace will help you do things you would not think possible and one of them is to forgive others. Chances are there's someone here today who's hurting. Someone either personally or through your children or somebody's hurt you tremendously. And the last thing you have on your mind is to forgive. You can justify not forgiving. You say they don't deserve it. They deserve not forgiveness. They deserve pain. <laughs> they deserve what they brought me and, and, and so on. But you need to ask yourself, when God forgave you, did you deserve it? Did you do anything to obtain it? Did you earn it? So often we say, here's what we do. I'm going to get angry and bitter at them and don't realize bitterness is like an acid that destroys the housing that contains it. It will destroy you. And someone said this, you, I'm going to get angry at you and make you suffer. Bitterness is like drinking poison and thinking another person is going to die from it. My friend, bitterness will destroy you. That's the tormentor. So for your own sake, forgive. And ask God to do it. Step out in faith. I'm going to choose to forgive him, asking God to give me the grace to do so. And he will. He will. God's grace is what? Sufficient. And I pray you would do that. So let's close with this. We talked about God's enabling grace, but I love most of all talk about God's amazing saving grace. How many are grateful for God's saving grace? Look on your screen and we'll close. You can close your Bibles. Notice for the key word for grace here. Romans 3, 24. Being justified, that means declared righteous, freely by his what? Grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Look up here, please. Here, to go to heaven, you and I have to be as righteous, as perfect as God. I don't know about you, that eliminates me. I'm not righteous. I'm not perfect. I have sinned like all of you have. Howard, in the presence of God, I must be righteous as he is. And the only way I can obtain that righteousness is if God himself gives it to me. And the Bible says, therefore, being justified, declared righteous by what? Faith, we have peace with God. So when we come to Christ as a sinner... Understanding I've earned, I deserve his judgment. And I can do nothing to save myself. And I 
put my trust and dependence upon Christ, my faith in him to save me. God says my faith in Christ is counted for righteousness. And in God's eyes at that moment, I am as righteous as he is in my position before him, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God will forgive you and declare you righteous if you'll trust his son to be your savior. You become as righteous as he is in his sight by faith. So my friend, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? It, let me ask this question as I close. If you were to die today, and God would ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What answer would you give him? Now, the most popular answer is the wrong answer. The most popular answer is this. God, why should I let me into heaven? Because I'm a good person. I've lived a good life. I've done right. I've done things wrong. But overall, I'm a pretty good person. Of the good things I've done, I, be, I go to church. I heard Pastor Peterson preach. I read my Bible. I pray. And my friend, that is not what God looks for. That will not save you. In other words, it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But according to his mercy, he would save us. If you say anything other than then, the reason you don't let me to heaven is because what Jesus Christ did for me and how he shed his blood on the cross and he forgave me and gave me eternal life. My friend, there's no other answer. My hope is built upon nothing less but Jesus' what? Blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. What's your hope for heaven? My friend, mine is Jesus. Let's bow together, please. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, this morning I've been speaking to those of you that are saved. They can call God your Father. And we solve our Father's forgiveness toward us. As believers, those who have been forgiven at salvation, God now says the forgiveness of, and fellowship and your walk with him is dependent upon you forgiving others. And I pray that you would realize just how much God has forgiven you, freely, fully, and finally. And that's how we are to forgive others. And the only way we can do that is if he gives us the strength to do so. And that strength is called grace. God's grace is sufficient, and he will enable you to do what he commands you to do. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, how many say, Pastor, I'm a Christian, I know that. I've been forgiven by, forgiven by God. But Pastor, I struggle with forgiving others. Especially that one that I'm thinking about right now that's hurt me so bad. But Pastor, I realize God's commanded me to forgive. So I pray, Pastor, and I ask for your prayers too, Pastor, that you would pray that God would give me the grace to forgive the one who's hurt me so much. If that's your prayer today, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Hold your hand up high, please. Yes, 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 all over. God bless you. Pray that God would give me the grace to forgive. His heads are bowed, nice to close. If you've never trusted Christ, maybe you never experienced his saving grace, his favor that's not merited or deserved given to you freely. And he will forgive you and give you a home in heaven because of his grace. If you never experienced that, why not do it right now? As we close in prayer, you can talk to God and you can trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and thereby receive his grace, his forgiveness, his mercy, and he'll forgive you and give you eternal life as a free gift. You say, Pastor, that's good news. Yes, it is. Then why not tell God that? If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, why not talk to him 
in your own thoughts, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just say something like this to God. Say, dear God of heaven, I admit that I'm a sinner. And God, because I've sinned, I've earned, I deserve your punishment. But God, I believe that Jesus was punished in my place. I believe the judgment that I've earned, that I deserve from God, he took upon himself. And there on the cross, he suffered and bled and died for my sin. He was buried, and Lord, I believe you raised him from the dead. And right now, realizing I cannot save myself, I'm trusting Christ to save me. I'm trusting him to forgive me and give me eternal life. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, my friend, did you pray that prayer? Did you trust Christ to be your Savior? If you did, I'd like to know that. I want to pray for you also. So with heads bowed and eyes are closed, I won't put you on the spot. I'm not going to have you forward. I just want to include you in the closing prayer. If what I said made sense to you, and you trusted Christ for the first time here today as your Savior, and will allow me to pray for you. Raise your hand so I can do that today. And when all pastors, my hand, I trusted Christ as my Savior. Would you pray for me? I want it all today. Father in heaven, we are grateful that you are a compassionate, merciful, forgiving God. And Father, that's how you desire for us to be to others. And may we show Christ in us by the way we forgive, the way we show mercy and compassion and treat others kindly as you've done to us. Father, thank you for your amazing grace and salvation and your enabling grace in our Christian life. Help us to be forgiving people because we serve a forgiving God. In Christ's name we pray, amen.